Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith The king, his nobles, his wives, his concubines, they drank from them. They drank from them and they praised their idols made of gold and silver and bronze and iron, wood and stone. What he's doing here is he's defying God. He's spitting in the face of God. He's shaking his fist and saying, Where are you, God? Reaching up high with arms open wide we see Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. In Daniel chapter 5, King Belshazzar was feasting and making merry. In the middle of the party, he asked that the spoils of the Babylonian war with Israel be brought into the feast so that he and his guests could drink from the goblets obtained from the Jewish temple. Pastor Ed teaches us today that when the king drank from the cups that were meant for priestly use, it was a defiant act and in essence, spitting in the face of God. It was precisely at this time that the Lord pronounced judgment on King Belshazzar, King of Babylon. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, The Handwriting on the Wall. Alan McDonald was an engineer. He was one of those who worked on the Challenger and back In January of 86, he warned them. It was too cold. Don't take off. He was concerned about, remember, the O-rings? And NASA kept on pushing. 25 years of success, you know. Never lost a life, you know. And he would not sign off. He said they needed to delay the Challenger flight. They went over his head. They went to his boss. The boss gave it the stamp of approval. And 73 seconds into the flight, you remember what happened. That explosion. The loss of our, the lives of our astronauts. Sometimes we just fail to heed the warning. We don't listen when God speaks. The handwriting is on the wall, and we simply ignore it. It was Elver J. Hoover who said, In the day when all men stand before God, the significant question for each of us will no longer be what we think of Christ, but what he thinks of us. In this chapter, you see and you know that God is the judge of all the earth. That he is the one who sets kings up and brings them down. He is the one who has ultimate power. He taught that lesson to Nebuchadnezzar. He was teaching it to the court of Babylon. Somehow, it was forgotten over the passing of the years. 
Ecclesiastes ends with these verses in the last chapter and the last couple of verses. Listen to what Solomon tells us. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. In other words, reverence him, respect him, honor him. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. How can we learn to hear and to see and recognize God's warnings? How can we live and thrive in a society that is more and more anti-God, anti-Christian, more like Babylon. I think the first thing we have to do is avoid profaning his holy name. Now, it's more than just not mentioning his name in a sentence without a sense of reverence. You know, some people think Jesus Christ is a curse word. Sometimes the only time people mention his name is in anger. But, it, but it's more than that. It's that, yes, but, it, but it's more. In, Ecclesi- in Leviticus, do not profane my holy name. I must be acknowledged as holy. By all the Israelites, I am the Lord who makes you holy, who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. God was speaking again and again. The stories were told in Babylon. They were on the front page. Three men in a fiery furnace. One like a fourth appears and their lives are spared. It was known that the Spirit of God was in Daniel and he interprets visions and dreams. King recovers, prophetic word given, and the recovery of Nebuchadnezzar. No, no, no. They knew, they heard. But still somehow the sin of pride produces arrogance in us. When we become independent from God, we become arrogant. You see that right in the text in verses 2 to 4. It says, while Belshazzar was drinking the wine. Now he's having a party. He doesn't need more cups. He doesn't need more goblets. He doesn't need more vessels. But he's drinking. And he's maybe drinking too much. Not thinking so clearly. He gave an order. To bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Remember chapter 1? Right at the beginning, we're told that Nebuchadnezzar goes into the temple of God because God allowed him to take the Jewish people captive. He takes the vessels that belonged in the house of the Lord that were a part of worship. And he takes it and he puts it in his museum. But he is recognizing that there's only one God. He's recognizing more and more that Daniel's God is the God. 
You hear his testimony. You hear how how Nebuchadnezzar says, God knows how to humble the proud. That was his testimony. Here, his his successor, rather, goes and takes these out of the temple. The house of God in Jerusalem, the king, his nobles, his wives, his concubines, they drink from them. They drank for them and they praised their idols made of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. What he's doing here is he's defying God. He's spitting in the face of God. He's shaking his fist and saying, where are you, God? In verses 22 to 23, that's what Daniel tells us happened. For you have proudly defiled the Lord of heaven and have made these cups from his temple brought before you. And you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising God's. You have not honored the God who gives you breath of life and controls your destiny. Belshazzar, your life is in his hands. God can bring down a nation in a moment's time. Any nation. He could speak to Russia. And overnight, overnight, everything can change. He could say to America, no longer, no longer will you have your freedoms. Do you remember the prophecy given by Dave Wilkerson? That the walls of protection are coming down? Can't you see it? It's evident all over. In England, one of the residents, you may have heard of him, Richard Dawkins. I don't know if you know his book. In 2006, he wrote a book, sold over 2 million copies in 2000, by 2010. It was translated into 31 different languages. Uh, What was the title of the book? The God Delusion. He was an atheist. He has a website. On his website, he encourages people to blaspheme God. Now, he especially advertises to young people. He'll reach out on different popular sites, such as uh, Friendster, Boy Scout Trail, uh, Tiger Beat, Teen Magazine, GM, Cosmo Girl, and Seventeen. Now, here's the challenge. Let me just read what it's about. Here's an excerpt from the so-called Blasphemy Challenge. Blasphemy Challenge rewards participants for demonstrating non-belief on YouTube Philadelphia. The Rationale Response Squad has launched a $25,000 campaign to entice young people to publicly renounce any belief in the sky god of Christianity. The called Blasphemy Challenge, this campaign encourages participants to commit what the Christian doctrine calls the only unforgivable sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Participants who videotape their blasphemy and upload it to YouTube will receive a free DVD of the hit documentary, The God Who Wasn't There. So far, back then, 160 kids 
where people had responded. What's he doing? What is our world doing? More and more, we're pushing God away. And when we do that, we're inviting chaos, confusion, and pain into our lives. Push Yahweh out of Europe. What's happening? You know, you think about what's happened just in recent times in France. Have we learned anything from 9-11? Can you see the handwriting on the wall? What's happening in our schools? What's happening in our cities? Does anybody get on and say, let's turn back to God? Let's rethink the direction? Don't you sense that there is coming judgment on our nation? Can't you feel it? That the direction we're heading in is a direction that is going to bring the judgment, the wrath of God. Now we pray for his mercy. We pray that he'll help us. And we ought to stand on the wall as watchmen. But the direction we're taking is a direction of arrogance. And there's a response in verses 5 to 6. Suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand. All of a sudden a hand appears. Only the hand. And it's writing on the wall right above a lampstand so all could see. And, And the Bible tells us the king himself saw the hand as it wrote. And his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear. And his legs gave way beneath him. God speaks in a variety of ways. It can be a lightning bolt of conviction. It can be the words of a spouse or a friend. It could be in tragedies within a nation. It can be in all sorts of things that happen. He that has an ear, let him hear what God is saying. And, and God is speaking here. Here's God's response to the arrogance. He is speaking. You have to remember that God does intervene. You see it in this chapter and you see it throughout Scripture. We must remember God's divine intervention. Stop, think, pause, remember. The message translation reads, Remember the world of wonders he has made, his miracles and his verdicts he has rendered. O seed of Abraham, his servant, O child of Jacob, his chosen, he's God, our God, in charge of the whole earth. How God sends the queen mother. She might have been the, the wife of Nebuchadnezzar. Somehow she is standing in the court. She sees what's happening. There's silence. She hears the fear, the anxiety, and she comes in and she meets with Belshazzar. And in verses 10 to 12, but when the queen mother heard what was happening, she'd hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Uh, Don't be so pale and frightened. There's a man in your kingdom who has with him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like, the, like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, 
king of Nebuchadnezzar. Notice predecessor instead of father. Because the New Living Translation, again, is capturing the intent of the biblical writer. And he says, call for Daniel. He'll tell you what the writing means. Holy Spirit, help us to be men and women whom the world will look to and say, let's call on her. Let's call on him. They know God. They walk with God. They can have a word of guidance and help in these times of trial and trouble. They knew that Daniel, the Spirit of God, was in him. Does our family recognize that? Do our friends recognize that? Oh, Lord, let your Spirit just be so powerfully in all of our lives. Let us be men and women filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God is wanting us to be those shining lights like Daniel was. And so this advice, she remembers him. God can send different people into our paths. We should have those people who are godly, who know the Lord, who will not necessarily tell us just what we want to hear, but tell us what we need to hear. And so then there's Daniel. But what's this man's response? You're not always going to be received well. He had a great relationship, Daniel, with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar recognized God's hand in Daniel's life. And and Daniel loved Nebuchadnezzar. He, he, He prayed for the king. But Belshazzar has a completely different attitude. He talks down to him. Look at verses 13 and 16. You see a foolish response. You see the wise advice that was given and then the foolish response. So Daniel brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah? Now remember, Daniel's in his 80s now. He's been in Babylon for about 70 years. And all of a sudden, Belshazzar said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that we took prisoner, captive, uh, uh, the the land that was just plundered. Yeah, yeah, uh, we just took your cups and worshipped our gods. So with disdain and looking down, he goes on to say, uh, by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, I am told that you can give interpretation and solve difficult problems. If you can, read these words. Tell me what they're meaning. And then I'll give you purple robes of honor. You will have a gold chain. Uh, You will become third highest in the kingdom. And I love Daniel's response. Keep it. Keep it. Give it to someone else. I don't want it. But you see a foolish response when a man or a woman of God comes to speak to you. When God speaks to you through maybe some Christian literature, open your heart, humble yourself, and say like the prophet of old, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Is it that we have just itching ears and the only thing that we could hear is that which builds our ego and simply causes us to become more puffed up? Or can it be that we will develop a heart that truly 
trembles at his word, that fears him with a holy fear and recognizes that he is God. God, restore the fear of God in all of our lives so that we will walk with reverence before him. Here is Belshazzar. His response is absolutely foolish. He talks down in a condescending way. He forgets. He doesn't recall the judgments of God. One of the things that will help us to remember and even see the signs of the times and hear what God is saying is if we remember, we recall the sovereign judgments of God back a hundred years more, Isaiah the prophet gave this prophecy before Babylon ever took Jerusalem captive, before they ever conquered, decades before. This is what he said. And he saw in that, it, when, you, when you read chapter 13, you look at chapter 14 as well of Isaiah, it, you see it's almost this blurring of these lines and, and almost like you got a vision into the heavenly realm where Satan rebels against God and he's cast down. Those passages are, are really incredible. But out of chapter 13, I just picked a couple of verses. Isaiah received this message. Now, this is before ever Babylon comes and conquers. He sees their destruction. For see, the day of the Lord is coming, the terrible day of his fury and his fierce anger. Now, remember, Daniel prophesied that when the head of gold which represented Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar would would end and the Medo-Persian Empire would begin. But it says here, the terrible day of his fury and fierce anger, the land will be made desolate and all sinners destroyed with it. Babylon, the most glorious of kingdoms, the flower of the Chaldean pride will be. It's going to be destroyed. What he does is this. He neglects the knowledge that he has or should have. It was not hidden when Nebuchadnezzar was disciplined and went into the fields. It was not hidden when the three Hebrew boys walked in that fiery furnace. When God did the miraculous. If you read in chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, you are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you've not honored the God who gives you breath of life. And controls your destiny. He's going to go back and give him a history lesson. And Daniel's going to say, Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. 
He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. The book of Daniel has some of the most loved stories in the whole of the Bible. We all remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den, a wonderful story of God's deliverance. Each day here on Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word restored.